0: Good morning, uh, church. Good morning, New Beginnings. Uh, I know there are people watching all over East Texas and all over the world. So however you are joining us this morning, and in whatever way you are a, have been a part of our online service today, I just want to say welcome and thank you for being a part of our service today. Maybe this morning is the first time that you've joined us online. Well, if that's true, here's what we want you to do because we want to connect with you and here's how we want to do that. We want you to text us, text NBBC to 313131 and if you do that, we have a gift that we want to send your way just to say thanks for being a part of what we are doing here and joining us This morning, my name is Matt Darby. I do have the privilege, and it is an absolute privilege, uh, to serve as the teaching and campus pastor on our Gilmer campus here at New Beginnings. We are one church. We meet in two locations, and I just want to say on behalf of Pastor Todd, on behalf of our executive team, and our entire ministry staff, one, we miss you. We miss you, and we love you, and we cannot wait until we can be together again. But in this season, I want you to know that we are with you, we love you, and we miss you. And so uh, we're going to dive in this morning. We are in week two of our series, Unstoppable, and we are looking at how... Uh, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, uh, there was a movement that began called the church. It was a movement that Jesus started this movement through his resurrection and how then through the transforming power of Christ and through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, we are grafted in to this movement of transformative power and purpose. And, um, you know, what we talked about last week was how The church is not a place. It is not a building. The church is a divinely powerful movement of transformed people. That's who we are. We are a divinely uh, powerful movement of transformed people people. We are not a building. We are a place. Uh, We are a movement that people belong to and through which people are sent. And so I am excited to be looking in God's word this morning. You know, this movement that Christ started through his resurrection called the church is unstoppable. It is an unstoppable force. Pastor Todd talked last week about how throughout the church's history, uh, the church has been persecuted and hated and disrespected and disregarded and and pressed out. And yet somehow, through 2,000 years of history, not only has the church survived, but it has thrived. Matter of fact, if you look at church history, here's what you see. You see that the more uh, the church is pressed, right? The more the church is persecuted, the more the church prospers, and when i when i see that reality i am immediately a question rises up in my heart and it just is how is that true how is it true that this movement would thrive through persecution what is the power behind the church that causes it to have this supernatural flourishing through 2000 years of hardship and persecution and That's what I want us to look at this morning. I want us to look at what is the power of the church. And we're going to look at that starting in Acts chapter one. So right where you are, if you want to grab your Bible and go to Acts chapter one, we're going to begin there. And just as a a matter of context, let me kind of tell you where we are. Um, Acts is written by Luke. Uh, Luke wrote two books. He wrote the gospel of Luke and he wrote the book of Acts. And uh, So that you kind of know what the narrative does, Acts 1 kind of picks up where the end of Luke ends. So Luke 24 ends with the ascension of Jesus and Acts chapter 1 picks up with the ascension of Jesus. And so it's this continued narrative. And so with that in mind, I want you to look with me at Acts chapter 1. We're going to start right in verse 1. God's word says this. In the first book, For the promise of the Father, that's the Holy Spirit, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So when we consider what is the power of the church, what is it that makes the church unstoppable? I think there's two things that we see here in Acts chapter one, two answers to the question What is the power that causes the supernatural flourishing of the church and the unstoppable expanding of the kingdom? Here's the first answer that I see. The power of the church is the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's the presence of the Holy Spirit. Look again at verse 8 of Acts chapter 1. Jesus said this, but you will receive power when? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. See, as we try to answer this question, what is the power of the church that's caused it to thrive through 2,000 years of persecution, the first answer that I see in God's word is the presence of the Holy Spirit. And when Jesus spoke about the coming of the Holy Spirit, he spoke about the power that would come with him. I find it very interesting that before Jesus ever sent his disciples out to declare the gospel. He told them to wait for the Holy Spirit. We see this in Luke uh, 24. There toward the end, Jesus is getting ready to ascend and he's telling his disciples that they're gonna bear witness of him. He said, "You're you're gonna bear witness that I have died and resurrected. You're gonna bear witness how there is now repentance and forgiveness of sins. And I want you to see what he says in Luke 24, verse 28 and 29 he said, or excuse me, 48 and 49, he says this, you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my father upon you. Again, another reference to the Holy Spirit, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Jesus says, you're going to bear witness. You are going to go. You are going to change the world, but first wait for the power of the Holy Spirit to clothe you. And the question that rises up in my heart is why this command to wait? Why this command to wait on the Holy Spirit? And I think the answer is this, because apart from the power of the Holy Spirit, apart from the presence of the Holy Spirit, there is no power. Apart from the presence of the Holy Spirit, there is no power. There's nothing of eternal transformative spiritual significance that happens apart from the presence of the Holy Spirit. I think that Jesus knew that apart from the presence of the Holy Spirit, this work he was beginning, this movement he was beginning would be completely dependent upon the power of his disciples. But I think that Jesus knew that to build a church that would prevail for all eternity, he would have to build it on a power greater than the best efforts of his people. Aren't you glad that the prevailing of the church is not dependent upon your best efforts and my best efforts? I am Jesus knew that it could not be dependent upon our best efforts. There was something of transformative power that was needed. I think Jesus knew that a divinely transformative movement required a divinely transformative power. And that is what we get in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Transformative power. And listen, this power that we receive in the Holy Spirit is critical for the life of the believer, and the thriving of the church. Jesus told his disciples, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and then you're going to go change the world. So a question that rises up in my heart is this. If the presence of the Holy Spirit is divine power, then why are there so many powerless churches? Why are there so many believers living spiritually weak lives or lives of spiritual insignificance? And the answer, I think, is we don't experience the the divine power because we aren't walking in the divine presence. Some of us wonder how it is that we see other people's lives and it is filled with Holy Spirit power. We see them living lives of faith and believing and this, this unshakable joy and hope. And we see them living lives that are transformed and they're being a part of transforming other lives. And we wonder what is missing from our life. And the answer is the presence of the Holy Spirit. That's what's missing. So how do we then begin to experience the manifest presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, how do we move out of spiritual insignificance? How do we begin to live lives of transformative power? Pastor Matt Chandler, he talked about it in the context of rain, the context of rain. So we have had a ton of rain around here in the last two or three weeks uh, here in East Texas, and yet somehow... And all of this rain that we've experienced, I haven't gotten wet one time. Not once. You want to know why? Because I know to stay in the house, right? I didn't go outside. But if I wanted to get wet by that rain, if I wanted to be covered head to toe in that East Texas rain, what did I need to do? I needed to go outside. I needed to, listen, position myself beneath the rain. We cannot control the manifest presence of the Holy Spirit. We cannot control that any more than we can control the rain. But listen, what we can do is position ourselves beneath it so that when the Holy Spirit falls, we get drenched with power. That we can do. So what are the things then that position us to be ready for the manifest presence of the Holy Spirit? I think it's, the same things that we see the disciples doing as they're waiting for the holy spirit there was this there was this window of time between when Jesus ascended and acts chapter 2 when the holy spirit fell and that it's that window that Jesus told them you have to wait don't move wait you're going to be clothed with power the lord is going to the father's going to send the helper i want you to wait and so they're in this waiting period and i find it incredible the things that they are doing and I think they are the very same things that would position us beneath the manifest presence of the Holy Spirit. Here's the first thing I see, they're praying. God's word says in Acts chapter one, they were in the upper room and they were devoted to prayer. Believer, I want you to know prayer moves you into the presence of the Holy Spirit. It just does because prayer moves me. Prayer gets me from where I am to where I need to be so that the Holy Spirit can do something in and through me. They're praying. Here's the second thing they're doing. They're, They're worshiping. If you look at the end of Luke, Jesus has ascended, and it says that they had great joy, and they worshiped. They worshiped. Now, why would worship change my position? Because worship gets my eyes off me and gets them where they need to be. Here's the next thing I see. They were in the word. And that same little uh, ending of, of the book of Luke in chapter 24, it says that after he ascended, they went away and they had great joy and they worshiped and they were continually in the temple, hearing and teaching the word of God. They were in God's word. And then here's the last thing I think we see from them. They were together with their brothers and sisters in Christ. If you look at Acts chapter 1, it says that they were in one accord together together. And they were devoted to one another. And I think these are the things that position us uh, to, beneath the presence of, they position us to be ready for the presence of the Holy Spirit, prayer and worship and God's word and godly relationships, being with our brothers and sisters in Christ. So the thing I want to ask is, are these things an active, growing, vital part of your life? When we have positioned ourselves in the presence of the Holy Spirit, we begin to see that power at work. And and what does that transformative power look like? What does that transformative power look like? I think we see it illustrated in the life of Peter and John just two or three chapters later in Acts chapter 4. Here's what happened. In Acts chapter 3, Peter and John heal a lame beggar. They heal this lame beggar who everybody knew was lame. They heal him. The guy is restored. And as always happens, when a miracle occurred, there would be a crowd that would gather around. This crowd gathers around, and Peter and John did what they do when they had an audience. They preached the gospel. So they preached the gospel. They preached that Jesus died and was resurrected. And when the chief priest heard about this, it says that he was greatly annoyed. Now listen, I, as you and your family have sheltered in place, I don't know if you identify with the phrase greatly annoyed, right? But I, I, I identify, maybe that's just my house. Uh, we identify with that phrase. It says the chief priest was greatly annoyed and they arrest Peter and John. They dragged them before the Sanhedrin and then they ask them this question in Acts chapter four around verse seven. They said, by what power did you heal this man? By what power did you heal this man? And As Peter is getting ready to answer that question in response, it says in Acts chapter 4, verse 8, that Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, answers them. And what does he do? He preaches the gospel. He preaches the gospel. And I want you to see the response of these spiritual leaders as they sit in the presence of Peter and John who are preaching the gospel, having been filled with in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Look at what they say in verse 13. Now, when they, that's the Sanhedrin and the chief priest, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Wow. Why were they astonished? Why were they blown away? Because they looked at these ordinary men and they saw something extraordinary. They saw a boldness. They saw a wisdom. They saw a transparency and a humility that they could not understand. Listen, what they saw on display was transformative power. And this is what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. Wants to display a divine power. Just look very quickly at what they saw. It says they saw a boldness in Peter and John. These are the same guys who were hiding and abandoning Jesus. They were running away. They couldn't get away fast enough. And now they're preaching in boldness. Why? Because the Holy Spirit wants to move us from the burden of fear to boldness. That's what he does in us. It says that they saw wisdom. They were looking at these uh, uneducated common men and they were astonished at their wisdom. Why? Because the Holy Spirit moves us from the weakness of ignorance to wisdom. That's what the Holy Spirit does in us. And I love this last part. It says, they looked at these men and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Now, why does that stick out? Here's why that sticks out to me, because these are the same guys who time and time again were arguing about who was going to be greatest in the kingdom, right? Who gets to sit at Jesus' right hand? Who's going to be number one beside Christ? And now all of that pride has gone away, and in full transparency and humility, they are displaying Jesus. Why? Because the Holy Spirit moves us from the death of pride to humility. This happens in presence of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was clear that the presence of the Holy Spirit meant power in the believer and the church. So let me ask you, are you experiencing the transformative power in your life that comes from the presence of the Holy Spirit? Are you positioning yourself through prayer and worship and God's Word in godly relationships to be drenched when the Holy Spirit falls. Because as we do this, we will experience supernatural power in our lives and in our church. Because the power of the church is the presence of the Holy Spirit. Here's the second thing that I see the first was the power of the church is the presence of the Holy Spirit. The second thing is this the power of the church is the proclamation of the gospel. It's the proclamation of the gospel. Look at the second part of verse eight of Acts chapter one. Jesus says, you're going to receive this power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then what will happen? And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Notice what Jesus says will happen after they receive the Holy Spirit. He says, you're going to go and proclaim. You're going to be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. You're, gonna, you're not going to be able to help but to declare what you know of me. You're going to go and be witnesses. Why is that true? Because every time the Holy Spirit filled someone in the New Testament, it was immediately followed by the proclamation of the gospel. This is, this is the main thing the Holy Spirit does in the lives of believers. He fills us with his presence to enable us to preach and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, last week we were looking in Matthew 16 with Pastor Todd and we were looking at how Jesus taught his disciples uh, about the church and the foundation upon which he was going to build it. And Peter made this gospel declaration. He said, Jesus, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. And Jesus said, Peter, I am going to build my church on that proclamation. Why? Because the power of the church is the proclamation of the gospel. Is In Romans 1.16, Paul says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not ashamed to preach the gospel. I'm not afraid to own the gospel. I am not weakened by it. I am empowered through it. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because it is the power of God for salvation. As the presence of the Holy Spirit fills our hearts, As the presence of the Holy Spirit fills our hearts, it will produce the gospel from our mouths. I want to say that again. As the presence of the Holy Spirit fills our hearts, it will produce the gospel from our mouths. I think you see this all over the New Testament. I think you see it all over God's Word. But I want to just look very quickly at the writings of Luke. So just in Luke and just in the book of Acts. I don't want you to try to turn here. I'm going to move through these very quickly. But I want you to see this proven in God's word. In Luke chapter 1, verse 15, here's what we see. John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Spirit and he proclaims the coming of the Lord a few verses later in Luke 141 Elizabeth was filled with the spirit and she proclaimed a blessing over Mary a few verses later Luke 167 Zechariah was filled with the spirit and he prophesied about the coming glory of Jesus in Acts chapter 4 verse 8 we just looked at it Peter was filled with the spirit and he 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 preached to the rulers that Jesus was the only hope of salvation. A few verses later in Acts 4.31, the disciples were filled with the Spirit and they spoke the word of God in the face of persecution. And then in Acts chapter 9, we see Paul, filled with the Spirit, immediately begin to preach in the synagogue. What was at work in these lives, in the lives of these believers, to give them the power to proclaim the gospel? And the answer is the presence of the Holy Spirit. Probably the most well-known event, I think, that establishes this is Acts chapter 2. It's Pentecost when the Holy Spirit fell on the disciples. This was the moment that what Jesus had promised would happen came to fruition. When he said, I want you to wait until you're clothed in power, we see this happen right here in Acts chapter 2. And I want you to read this with me. Acts chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 1. It says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound that, a, like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them and listened and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome and both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. And listen, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. As soon as as the Holy Spirit fell on the disciples, they immediately began to preach. So often I read this story and I I get caught up in the miracle of the tongues, right? These uneducated common men preaching in languages that just a few minutes ago, they didn't know. And now they're preaching and it's being heard in a different language, probably seven or eight, maybe more different languages and dialects. And listen, while that is miraculous and it is astonishing, it is also not the point. The point is not how they spoke. Listen, being fascinated or focused more on the tongues is like being fascinated with the rapper instead of the gift. The point is not how they spoke. The point is what they spoke in verse 11, tells us what they were saying. It says they were telling the mighty works of God. They were proclaiming the gospel. They experienced the presence of the Holy Spirit, and they proclaimed the gospel. I think the question, then, that we need to ask ourselves is how do we know we are walking in the fullness of the Spirit? how do I know I'm walking in the presence of the Spirit? And the answer is this. We're going to talk about Jesus. We're going to talk about Jesus. We're going to share the gospel. We're going to speak of the work the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives. When these men experienced the power that came with the presence of the Holy Spirit. They didn't celebrate their own achievements. They weren't the center of their own conversation. They didn't just speak about themselves. They stopped being the center and they put Jesus in the seat of honor and they proclaimed the gospel. I think this is what Jesus was talking about in Matthew 12 when he said, out of the overflow of the heart, what? The mouth speaks out of the overflow of our heart the mouth speaks listen you don't have to beg me to talk about my family you don't I love to talk about my wife and my children and the the amazing things that they've done and the achievements they've had I I love to talk about them just like I'm sure you love to talk about your family why is that true because they're in my heart because I love them with all my heart Because I'm I'm just so proud of them and so thankful for them and what I've seen God do that it's easy to speak about them with joy and passion. The evidence that believers have the presence of the Holy Spirit is that the gospel overflows from our mouths with joy and passion and power. That's the evidence. How do I know I'm walking in the fullness of the Spirit? the gospel overflows from my mouth with joy and passion and power listen as we proclaim the gospel it is the power of the church so how does it empower of the, how does it empower the church there's three things that i see just super quick and it's this When we proclaim the gospel, it empowers the church because it builds the foundation. What did Jesus say? He said, Peter, you've you've proclaimed the gospel, and I'm going to build my church on that proclamation. When we proclaim the gospel, we build the foundation. We strengthen the foundation of the church. Here's the other thing. When I proclaim the gospel, it refines my heart. How is that true? Because it reminds me that Jesus is the Savior, not me. It reminds me that what the people need, what this world needs, is not more of Matt, but more of Jesus. And it reminds me that he has to increase and I have to decrease. It refines my heart. Here's the third thing it does. It gives me fuel to fulfill the mission. It fuels me to fulfill the mission. Jesus, when What Jesus promised to the apostles and the disciples was that the presence of the Holy Spirit would be the power to fulfill their mission to go and make disciples because the power of the church is the proclamation of the gospel. As we, as we walk in the presence of the Holy Spirit, and as we proclaim the gospel, something beautiful is going to happen, and that's this. The kingdom of God is going to prosper. The kingdom of God is going to prosper. I want you to look at what happened after Pentecost. So they, the Holy Spirit falls, gives those different tongues they're speaking in and being heard in different languages and Peter preaches then they preach the gospel and I want you to see what happens at the end of Acts chapter 2 in verse 41 it says this So those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day about 3000 souls wow what happened the kingdom prospered the kingdom Prospered, And here's what you see throughout the book of Acts. You see this incredible rhythm, this incredible formula. The presence of the Holy Spirit comes, the disciples proclaim the gospel, and the kingdom of God prospers. And the point is simple. The point is, the church is God's plan A. We're, we're plan A. We've been called to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. And as we do that faithfully... People are converted. They are moved from darkness to light and death to life to salvation. And the kingdom of God prospers. Listen, believer, I want you to hear me say, and wherever you are watching us this morning, I want to remind you that the power of the church is not dependent on a program. It's just not it's not dependent on a program the power of the church is not going to be dependent upon uh, political favor it's not who's in the white house has no bearing on whether or not the kingdom of god is going to prosper in power it has nothing to do with political favor the power of the church is not held up by societal approval And the power of the church is not dependent upon financial security. The power of the church is in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And it is in the proclamation of the gospel. And as we are positioned under that and then do that, we will experience the prospering of the kingdom of God. Listen, I, I am very prayerful that today this has been encouraging to you. I know it has been encouraging to me to unpacking God's word. What is the power of the church? And if this morning you are watching and you're thinking, you know, I'm just not sure that I have a relationship with Jesus to move in that power and, and experience the Holy Spirit, then we want to help you. We want to encourage you. We want to connect with you. And here's how we would do that. We would just ask you to text NBBC to 313131. Because if you do that, we're going to reach out, we're going to connect, we'll pray with you, we can visit about what's next in your journey of faith. Maybe you're sitting this morning and you're thinking, I just don't walk in Holy Spirit power, I see it active in the lives of other people, and it's absent in mine, and I don't know how to get under the rain. Same thing, you text us in BBC to 313131 and we will connect with you and help you take that step. I want to tell you, we love you. We miss you. I'm so thankful that you've joined us today, and I look forward to you being right back here with us next week as we worship online with Pastor Todd. Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us and for the power of your word and how it has illuminated for us today, God, the power of the church. And Lord, I thank you for the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit and the manifest presence of the Holy Spirit, God, and for how He moves us to proclaim the gospel. And Lord, I thank you for the gospel that has saved me. And I pray, God, I would be able to live my life like Paul saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation. So Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your church. Thank you for Jesus and for saving us. We love you and we pray in your name. Amen.